It's always a pleasure to come to the Eastside congregation, in part because uh, so many of you are familiar to myself and my wife. Many of you have come from Limapin previously. It's always a pleasure to, to meet you. But it's also a pleasure to see faces that are unfamiliar, faces, faces that I've uh, not met. And it's always uh, good to see Christians from all over the world, wherever, wherever you are, coming together on the Lord's Day to, to worship Him, to adore His great name. And I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you uh, later. I bring greetings from the members, the elders and members at the Limapin congregation. And uh, we have heard good news that you know you are running out of space. Right? It's always a good problem. And so we wish you every success as you all, uh, we understand that you are currently now uh, obtaining, looking for a new property. We wish you every success. And we look forward to seeing your worship together in your new premises. Have you ever had a mental block? Have you ever had a, a mental block? Okay, Paul, the teachers, uh, especially. It's like, why the students sometimes they don't get the information? It's like, this is something that uh, the teacher has uh, listed down or talked about, and the student doesn't, just doesn't get it. But it's not just students or children that have mental blocks. Adults have mental blocks as well. Right, adults have mental blocks. Think about it, three years ago, this week, three years ago, Singapore, we had a circuit breaker. We went to a circuit breaker. At first, they said, one month, four weeks. And of course, we knew that one month became two months. And then after that, we exited that. But uh, well, we did not. We went through uh, periods of tightening and loosening. And in fact, we ought to be thankful that very recently, most of the restrictions have been dispensed with. But it was a tough three years. But you think about it, three years ago, you know, the government said, you need to wear masks. Right? About a week into the second breaker, we said, you need to wear masks. Because the disease is spreading asymptomatically. You don't. You look normal. You look fine, but you could be spreading it. So you need to wear. You need to wear a mask. And not just in Singapore, but worldwide, many countries were saying that, guys, you need to wear your mask. But there were many people worldwide who, who complied. That's good. But there were some who refused to comply, right? And they even went on the streets, gathering in large crowds to protest. Says this is a grand conspiracy. This is something where they are trying to uh, control us or they are trying to uh, you know, poison us with, with, with this uh, mask mandate. And so well, these, these people, they had a, a, a mental block of, of sorts, refused to accept the evidence, refused to accept the, uh, the, what has been demonstrated and, and illustrated by these experts, by the doctors, the physicians, the, those who are experts in infectious diseases, refused to accept the evidence. These people refuse to accept the evidence and they have a mental block. Well, some of you are very keen in finance, investing. And so if I were to give you two options now, right? Would you rather have $1 million upfront? Or would you rather have, today I give you one cent. What can one cent buy today? One cent cannot buy this thing, right? They, even have, they have even dispensed with the one cent coin in Singapore. They're no longer minting it. If you try to go and pay with one cent coin at the coffee shop or the, the person will look and say, I don't accept the one cent coin anymore. But if I gave you one cent on the first day and I doubled it, so two cents on the second day and then I doubled it, four cents on the third day, so and so forth, until day number 30. So which option would you take? Right? Would you have, rather have the $1 million up front or would you rather have one cent on the first day and doubling until day 30? And I know some of you who are more keen in finance, you understand 
compound interest. You understand the power of uh, you understand the power of compound compound compounding. In fact, by day thirty, just by doubling every day, you have over five million dollars gone at the end of a month. Just beginning with one cent. But it's very difficult to accept this, right? Because one cent. What is one cent? One cent is so insignificant. One cent is so tiny. How can it be that just by doubling day after day after day it becomes five more than five million dollars at the end of the month? I'd rather have the million dollars in the front. But as we can see, well, these are it's, it's facts, it's evidence. Just presenting to you this this chart, right? Just by doubling, we can make it into five million dollars. And so we deal with mental blocks in our everyday lives, whether it's wearing a mask when the government shows you the evidence, or whether it's dealing with uh, finance, they tell you, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, instead of spending all your money, set aside some for a rainy day and let it uh, invest it, go on a uh, CPF 55 years old, you're going to wipe out your CPF, you know, and let it, let it, let it, let it grow for a rainy day. We deal with mental blocks each and every day. When we are confronted with evidence, and if we do not want to honestly review this evidence, if we do not want to consider the facts and make an honest evaluation, make an objective consideration, then we will never overcome this, this mental block. And so I want to take you back now 2,000 years, 2,000 years ago to show you from the Bible an example of a man with a mental block, a man who came by night to Jesus. We're going to look at three C's, three C's. We're going to look at the man's certainty, which is going to change into confusion. Ultimately, he's going to be chastised by Jesus. We want to see his reaction to it. Three C's, certainty, confusion, and chastisement. Let's go to the book of John chapter 3. We'll read the first two verses of John chapter 3. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, that is, teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles which you do, except God be with him. Very confident, very certain. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Right? So the Pharisees were a sect, a group of the Jews which were very religious. They were very dedicated to the law of Moses, even so much to the extent of binding where God had not bound. But they were very religiously, highly religiously educated. Right? He's a Pharisee, as John 3 verse 1 states. And not only that, as we move on in the passage later, we will see that uh, Jesus says, are you not a master? Are you not a teacher of Israel? And so this Nicodemus, he has a reputation as being someone who is a teacher of the law of Moses. And so when Nicodemus says, we know, we know that you are a teacher come from God, speaking not only for himself, but also to those like-minded with Nicodemus, we know, Jesus, you are a teacher come from God. Nicodemus is not just saying that, oh, uh, you look handsome, therefore I think you are a teacher. Or no, uh, you look charismatic, therefore I know you are a teacher. But he is speaking from experience. He himself is a teacher. And he is able to recognize a teacher of God, come from God, when he sees one, because he is a teacher. He is a knowledgeable of the law. He is a master of it. We know you are a teacher, come from God. He is certain. Well, Jesus doesn't go and say, well, I compliment you on your certainty. But rather, Jesus is going to change Nicodemus. He's uh, going to present some information to Nicodemus, which will confuse him. Right? His certainty is going to change into confusion. Let's move on in the passage, John 3, verse 3 to 9. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and, and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, right? and thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whence it comes, where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone that born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said unto Jesus, How can these things be? And so we see Jesus. He gives a proposition to Nicodemus. A man must be born again. You must be born again. Just an earlier moment, Nicodemus had come. So certain. We know you are our teacher come from God. Right? Because no man can do these miracles except God is with him. And Jesus doesn't say, thank you very much for the compliment, right? You're right. But he says, well, you must be born again. And so that's confusion, right? It really creates confusion. How can a man be born when uh, he is old? Those of you who are mothers, I, I don't think you, you want to have that. The image is very uh, horrifying, right? You went through that, that experience once. You don't want to go through it, you know, to, to, have, to give birth to your child uh, again. But for an, a full-grown man, a full-grown uh, adult, to be born again physically, that's something that boggles the mind. It's, it's impossible. Right? My, my daughter, uh, she's three and almost four. Nearly forgot my daughter. <laughs> she's almost four. She'll be four in July. Four in July. Uh, we just did the developmental check. She's like 95, 94 cm. When she was born, she was 48, 49. So she has practically doubled in, uh, in her height. And now, can you imagine, if, like, just, just, just that uh, three years ago, how much she has grown and asking her to go back into my wife's womb. Uh, <laughs> I think my wife was yeah, shocked. <laughs> how can a man be born again when he is, he is old? And so Jesus is not speaking of a literal rebirth. But we do not have the time to discuss this passage in depth. But as Jesus is going to go on in his teaching, in his three and a half year ministry, he will show that a man... You know, needs to be reborn spiritually. Not that he goes back into his mother's womb and to be reborn, but there is a, a new creation. He becomes a new creature, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 uh, puts it. The elements of this uh, rebirth, number one, water. Right? There's, uh, Jesus will consistently teach about baptism, immersion in water for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. He will tell the apostles to go in there for teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever he has commanded them. And so one element would be water. And the other element, as uh, George the 3 and verse uh, 5 says, born of water and of the Spirit. But what does it mean to be born of the Spirit? Well, it's not that we are asking the Holy Spirit to come upon us or God to bestow the Holy Spirit uh, upon us. But when we let the Scripture speak for itself, we understand that it is the Word of God. Right, it's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the armor of God, the different components of the armor, and finally the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we review the Word of God, when we review the evidence that's presented to us in the scriptures, and we allow it to change our mentality, to change our way of thinking, then that contributes to our decision to be baptized. That contributes to the spiritual rebirth. But from Nicodemus' perspective, right, he, he cannot understand this. He cannot comprehend how can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And so Jesus drives home the point, well, this is a spiritual rebirth, nothing at all to do with a physical one. And he says in John 3 verse 8, the wind blows where it goes. You hear the sound, but you cannot see it. 
And so we don't see the wind. I cannot touch the wind. I cannot feel the wind, but I can see its effects. The spiritual rebirth is not something that is physical. It's not like you physically go back into your mother's womb. It's not a physical thing, but it's something that you can see the effects. Right? After a person's baptism, a person's surrender to Jesus Christ, you can see the, the effects. But Nicodemus is still confused. And, well, from the, from the hindsight of 2020 vision, we are standing 2,000 years removed from Nicodemus. We understand Jesus was speaking about the necessity of water baptism. But, well, Nicodemus, he's confused. And we don't really blame him for it because this is still, uh, you know, it does not have yet the complete review word of God. And he asked in John 3 verse 9, well, how can these things be? He still has that mental block. Right earlier, just, just a few moments ago, he was so certain, Jesus, you are a teacher come from God. And suddenly Jesus is starting to spot these things and tell him these things, he's confused. Jesus goes on to, goes on to, to chastise him. To chastise is to rebuke. <coughs> well, not that Jesus is angry with Nicodemus, but rather that Jesus is correcting Nicodemus' misconception. He's telling him, you have this mental block and you need to overcome it because if you don't overcome it, well, that's what as the title of today's sermon, if I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you how will you believe when I tell you earthly things? So let's move on in our passage, John 3, 10 to 12. Jesus answered and said to him, said to Nicodemus, Are you a master that is a teacher of Israel and do you not know these things? These are things which Nicodemus ought to know about. The spiritual rebirth. The spiritual means of entering the kingdom. John 3, 11. Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that we do know. We speak those things that we know about and testify that we have seen. We are testifying about things which we have seen and you receive not our witness. Notice the we, plural. So it's not just Jesus speaking of things which he knows, but Jesus and his apostles, Jesus and his disciples. And you receive not our witness. You, ye, plural. So not just Nicodemus who has had this mental block, but the entire nation, the Pharisees, the other Jews, they have this mental block. They are not receiving the witness, the testimony of Jesus and his disciples. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Sometimes it's the people who are the most highly educated or the most knowledgeable who sometimes have a mental block. They may be experts in a certain field, or certain domain, it doesn't mean they're experts in, in everything. Alright? Uh, and even within that domain, you may be an, you may have some level of experience or expertise, but it doesn't mean that you know everything there is to know about that domain. When I was at Fossey's College, um, one of the instructors they mentioned that these two years at Fossey's College is a crash course. We cover all 66 books. In the Bible, that is true. But I would like to just give you an illustration. Book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, 7 weeks. Book of Jeremiah, 51 chapters, 7 weeks. Whole book of Psalms, 150 Psalms. We do it in like 5 or 6 weeks. It's a crash course. right? It doesn't mean that you, you know you have a little bit more knowledge than, than everyone else. It doesn't mean you know everything there is to know about the, the subject. And so Nicodemus, he is an expert, yes. He is a teacher, renowned teacher. Are you not a master? Are you not a teacher in Israel? 
Yet he does not comprehend the nature of the Lord's kingdom. He does not comprehend the nature. He does not understand that it is a spiritual kingdom and that the means of entering it necessitates a spiritual rebirth. He's thinking physical. He's thinking of things he can see and touch. The Jews are waiting for a physical king. The Jews are waiting for a physical deliverer. And Jesus is going to tell them later on, just before his, his execution, his crucifixion, he's going to say in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then will my servants fight that I will not be delivered. But now my kingdom is not from here. And so Jesus needs to rebuke him. Jesus needs to chastise Nicodemus. He needs to correct this mental block. By this point in time, this is very early on in Jesus' ministry. It's very early on. Jesus will be on earth for three. Uh, Jesus will be on earth teaching and preaching for three and a half years, approximately. John chapter three is fairly early on in this three and a half years. And yet, even early on in his ministry, he has already provided ample evidence that he is divine. Not just he. Is not just Jesus. Jesus' testimony or Jesus is not just Jesus doing the testifying, but the disciples, his apostles, with him as well. That this Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Hebrew word which means the anointed one. Messiah, Hebrew, Christos, Christ in the Greek, they both mean anointed, one who has been chosen by God. For example, going back two chapters to John chapter 1, verse 32 and 34, 32 and 34, when John the Baptist, right, he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And John bare record, John 1, 32, John testified, John the Baptist, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon Jesus. Right? And verse 34, I saw and I bear record. John the Baptist testified, Jesus is the Son of God. This is right at the beginning of the three and a half years ministry of Jesus. Then we move on uh, later in the chapter. We see that when Jesus is, uh, is calling his, his, his disciples, beginning to call disciples to him, and one of them, Philip, Right? Philip of Bethsaida, John 1, uh, 43 and 44. And then he goes to Nathanael and he says to him, John 1, 45, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write about Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael said, John 1, 46, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is a, today we will say, country banking town. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Well, you, if you want a king to come out, you expect the king to be born in Jerusalem, the capital, where the temple was. Come on, Nazareth. What do you mean, come on, Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And so, well, we understand that when Nathaniel comes to Jesus, Jesus says, Before Philip called you, when you were sitting underneath that fig tree, I saw you, John 1 48. And John 1 49, Nathaniel said, Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Because after all, who can see, whose vision can transcend space and time? except God. And so Jesus already saw Nathaniel even before Nathaniel had met Jesus. And so John the Baptist testified that Jesus is indeed divine. Nathaniel testified that Jesus is indeed divine. Jesus' disciples will testify that he is indeed divine. In the very next chapter in John chapter 2, there was the marriage feast in Cana of Galilee. Alright, and well, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, came and told Jesus, well, they have no more wine, grape juice. Right, we, this is not our intent to go into a discussion on wine versus grape juice, but in a very brief fashion, Jesus is going to convert six water pots, two to three perkins apiece, if you convert into metric 
600 liters approximately. You take 2.5 per kins as the average. 600 liters. So this is not he's not making 600 liters of alcohol to make people drunk. He's making 600 liters of grape juice. If you have questions on that, you go and ask Alvin Lin about it. <laughs> I'll be gone after 12 o'clock. <laughs> Alright. But his disciples saw it. There's, there's, it's a massive miracle. 600 liters of water becoming 600 liters of grape juice. And look at John 2 verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. He manifested forth his glory. His disciples believed on him. He saw the miracles of Jesus. They believed. That's exactly what Nicodemus said initially, right? John 3. We know you are a teacher come from God because no man can do these miracles except God be uh, with him. And not only these miracles which we have talked about, but in the book of John, there are seven major miracles recorded. Seven major miracles recorded. But this is not an exhaustive list. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book of John. But these seven major miracles are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So the miracles of God are not just to prove, rather the miracles of Jesus are not just to prove that Jesus is a good teacher, which he is. It's not just to prove that Jesus is a knowledgeable man, which he is. But his design is intended to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And therefore, being the Son of God, sharing the characteristics of God, characteristics of God, that he is God himself. And this is something that Nicodemus had to overcome. This was his mental block. Because to, to Nicodemus, all that Jesus is, is a good teacher. All that, Nicod all that Jesus is to Nicodemus is someone who is knowledgeable in the law, someone who is a good teacher, that's all. The implication is that, well, he's not yet accepted Jesus as divine, the Son of God. Because if he accepted what, if he accepted what Jesus says, if he accepted that Jesus is divine, he will have no question when Jesus says, you need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. You need to be born of water and the Spirit. A person who did not have this mental block would readily accept, okay, Jesus, you have proven you are God. Whatever you say must be correct. I will follow you. So Nicodemus has this mental block. And that's why Jesus rebuked him or chastised him. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not. Not that the, uh, not that the, the new birth is, a, is an earthly thing. Right? But rather it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a figure of speech illustrating. If I have told you simple things and you don't believe. If I have given you evidence and you don't believe these basic fundamental things. How will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? How will you believe if I tell you of more complex things? Jesus has just begun to teach. Three and a half years of teaching lies ahead of him. And as long as he has this mental block, he will never be able to accept what Jesus has to say about the new birth. Well, Nicodemus began with certainty, but very quickly that certainty changed into confusion. And Jesus, well, he is patient, but he needed to chastise Nicodemus. Are you not a master of Israel? Are you not a teacher? Do you not know these things? If I have told you of earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? But Jesus doesn't end, the, Jesus doesn't end it there. Jesus is going to provide comfort. A false seed is going to provide comfort to Nicodemus. What comfort is he going to provide? He's going to, he's going to assure Nicodemus, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son. 
Whosoever believes in him shall not perish by everlasting life. God so loved the world. It's, it's adoration. God adores us. He gave his only begotten son. This is, this is sacrifice. Whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's what's that? That's an, that's an affirmation. Right? That's an affirmation. It should be. You should not perish. But what can you have? You can have everlasting life. That's a promise. It's a comforting promise. It's a comforting thought to know that God loved us so much that Jesus was sent to pay the penalty of sin on our, on our behalf. Right. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. For God commanded, commanded, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And well, we are also comforted to know that, G, that Nicodemus would eventually overcome this mental block. When we fast forward down to George the 7, verse 50 and 51, when Jesus was being uh, accused by the Sanhedrin council, Nicodemus stood up, figuratively of course, figuratively stood up for Jesus and said, well, we, we have not even heard his testimony. We have not even heard his defense. How can we accuse Jesus? Look at John chapter 7 and verse uh, 50 to 51. In John chapter 7, verse 50 and 51, Nicodemus said, Nicodemus said unto, unto them, that is, the others of the Sanhedrin council, Does our Lord judge any man before he hears him and knows what he doeth? Well, Jesus needs to have the right of defense. How can you accuse him before hearing his, his how can you accuse him and sentence him before hearing his defense? And towards at the end of Jesus' life, Nicodemus was there as well. We heard we know Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, gave up his own tomb. For Jesus, but Nicodemus also came, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, that is to purify, to cleanse the body of Jesus prior to his burial. Now, a disciple of Christ would do that. Right? A disciple of Christ would do that, knowing that this is the body of a person who has just been crucified, executed, sentenced to death. And Nicodemus is willingly associating himself with Jesus' dead body. Willingly associating himself with Jesus, willing to come and purify and cleanse the body prior to his uh, Jesus' burial. We started today with a question, right? Have you ever had a mental block? Have you ever had a mental block? I know that the vast majority of us in this room are Christians. And it may be that you are certain of your salvation. You are so confident that if today Jesus comes, I'm going to heaven. But perhaps someone shows you some information and says, well, brother or sister, there's something in your life which is not right. It does not conform to what the scriptures teach you. It may be that you, you have no issue with social drinking. It may be that you do not see the problem of, uh, you do not see a problem with skipping the assemblies or the worship assemblies, it may be that you think that, well, um, as long as I am a good person, even if I just have one little bad thing, that will be fine, that will be good. And someone tells you, no, brother, that's not the case. And you have a mental block now. Because all your life you thought that that was fine. And so now you have confusion. The question is, are you willing to accept the chastisement that the law provides through the scriptures? The law is not scolding you because he has a power, he's on a power trip, ego hungry, a power power hungry or ego trip. 
He's not scolding you because you can get kicked out of it. First Timothy 2.4 Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus wants you to be saved. But it doesn't mean that he can ignore sin. It doesn't mean that he can let wrongdoing slide. And therefore he chastises us. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. What is the purpose of disciplining? For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he punishes, and scourgeth every son whom, receives, whom he receives. Verse 7, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he who the father chaseth them not? Well, parents, you know that you have to discipline your children. If your children are not disciplined, they'll be running around and screaming and no discipline. You discipline them because you love them. Verse 8, if you are without chastisement, you are bastards. You are illegitimate children. You do not belong to the, the Father. You do not belong to God. And so God's desire is for all men to be saved. But we need to accept that correction. And if we accept this correction, this chastisement, then we can obtain comfort and rest for our souls. And I know that this is a Friendship Sunday. That this sermon is intended primarily for the guests, the visitors in our midst. But I want first to address the, brother, the brothers and sisters in Christ that are here this morning. Because this sermon has value to you as well. This sermon has value to me. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. And it doesn't mean that once you are baptized, you don't no longer sin. Otherwise, why would John talk to Christians when John, talking to Christians, say in 1 John 1, verse 6 to 10, says that, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our unrighteousness and to cleanse us of our sins. Why would John need to tell Christians to confess their sins to God if we no longer sin after our baptism? It's not simply not the case. Sometimes we sin our ignorance. Sometimes we sin our willfulness. But we do, we do err. We do, we do fall. And we need to be corrected in order to obtain this comfort. But first, we need to overcome this confusion, this mental block that we have constructed in our minds. And it may be the case that there are friends and visitors and your presence here is a great encouragement to us. But it may be that you have been taught something in times past. Maybe someone has said, call Jesus into your heart and, and you are saved. Say a prayer. And, and Jesus will accept you as a child of God. Or it may be that you have been told that, well, it doesn't matter which God you believe in, as long as we all do the right thing, just be a good person, we will all seek the afterlife, have a peaceful afterlife, have a blissful afterlife. It may be that you are previously certain of your salvation, but someone now presents you information, it may be a track, it may be a correspondent course, it may be someone sitting down with you and saying, well, this is what the Bible has to say. This is the evidence why we believe the Bible to be accurate. This is the evidence why we believe that there is a God in heaven. And now you have a mental block because this information contradicts what you have grown up with or contradicts what you have previously heard. This confusion. But again, the same thing. The Lord wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 and new information is difficult to process, especially when it contradicts what you thought you knew already. Right, I think of a, 
I think of, you know, if you wind the clock back to antiquity and people thought that the earth was flat. And then maybe that it was on the back of a, a what is it, a tortoise, and the tortoise was of an elephant, back or something like some myths and legend. And then a lot of people say that, well, okay, no, uh, we can observe that the earth is a uh, spherical, measuring of shadows and stuff like that. But not of it's a sphere, but well, we are the center of the universe because we see the sun passing by and the stars passing by, and the planets moving in the above us, so therefore we must be the center. <coughs> then Copernicus in the 1500s said, no, we are not the center, the sun is the center of the universe and we are revolving around the sun. And then now even today we understand that, well, we are not even on the, we are, the sun is not even the center of the universe. But it itself is on the orbit around the center of the Milky Way galaxy. That's why in Psalm chapter 19 verse 4 to 6, the sun, the sun is Christ being on a circuit, going forward like a strong man to run the race. David already knew the sun was on a circuit. But what's the point I'm trying to make? At each stage, when new information is being presented, there was a mental block. What did they do to Copernicus? They mocked him. They persecuted him. Likewise, if somebody is presenting to you information from the scriptures, his only desire is for you to be saved. He's not doing it to mock you. He's not doing it to, to, to make fun of you. He just wants you to obtain comfort and rest for your souls. Because there's nothing more important than you going to heaven. Nothing more important. Moses said in Psalm 19 verse 10, The length of our years is 3 score and 10, 70 years. By reason of strength, 80 years. Score. Then what happens? We are cut off, we fly away, we die. So, so what Moses? So what if we die? Psalm 19 verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. God wants us to be wise. God wants us to be saved. And that can only come through by being reborn, taking part in this spiritual rebirth. To hear the gospel plan of salvation, that Christ died for you, that he was buried, he rose again the third day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 4. That's the gospel message. And we hope that you will stay for the friends and visitors. You will stay and examine this further so that you can hear about it. Because as Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by a spark of inspiration, it doesn't come by a feeling or emotion in your heart, it comes by a sincere examination of God's word. And then we need to believe it. We need to have faith in this gospel message. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. We need to repent. It doesn't mean that, well, I'm much better than the thieves and the murderers and the rapists out there. But as Jesus said, except you repent, you will likewise perish. Right? When he's comparing to people who were killed in an accident or people who were killed by uh, the, the murderous Romans, doesn't matter, except you repent, you will likewise perish. We need to confess the name of Christ, acknowledge Him that He is the Son of God. Because Jesus said, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, he will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will also deny you before my Father which is in heaven. But the world is going to say that you hear, believe, repent and confess the name of Christ, you stop there, you are saved. But my friends, that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible clearly speaks to us. Jesus Himself said, Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized, you shall be saved. I had this uh, when I was um, studying with this lady who I baptized, I had a study with and I baptized last year. I made it very clear, I said, Madam Wong, if you come to my house and you clean my house, 
And I was just say, I'll say I'll go out, I was just joking. I don't expect you to come and literally clean my house you're 80 years old. Alright. But if you come to my house and clean my house, I pay you hundred dollars. If you come to my house and you don't clean my house, well you don't get paid. She understand. She said, okay, I understand. You just said clearly you believe and baptized. You shall be saved. And there are people today who are teaching just believe in Christ. That's all you need to be saved. And Jesus said very clearly, if you repent and be baptized, Brother Peter said, repent and be baptized for what? For the remission, for the forgiveness of sins. And then thereafter we live a life faithful unto Christ, faithful unto our dying days, or until the Lord comes again, whichever comes first. God wants you to be saved. We want you to be saved. Will you overcome this mental block? We are, we are here for you. Elvin is going to be here for you. The faithful men and brethren and, uh, brother and sisters here will, are here for you. We want you to be saved. We want you to overcome this mental block. It's our sincere desire that you take up this opportunity before it's too late. We saw the night when darkness come to this world of sin and death. Nor yet be held thy cottage home in that despise of Nazareth. But we believe thy footsteps strong. These streets and plains, the Son of God. But we believe thy footsteps strong. These streets and plains, the Son of God. We saw thee not when lifted high amid their wild and savage crew. Nor heard we there imploring cry, for did they know not what they do? But we believe that it was done that should be up and build the sun. But we believe that it was done that should be up. And build the sun. We gaze not in the open tomb where once I met a body lay, no sorry in that upper room, nor met the on the open way. But we believe that angels said. Why seek the living with the dead? But we believe that angels said, Why seek the living with the dead? <coughs> we walk not with the chosen few who saw thee from the other sand, who raised to hell. Their wandering view, then low to earth, all prostrate man. But we believe that human eyes beheld that journey to the skies. But we believe that human eyes 
beheld a journey to the sky.